Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and I wanted to welcome you to the Renaissance Podcast. We are so excited that you have chosen to listen and join with us as we strive to reach the heart of our city with the truth and love of Jesus. And we know that God is doing amazing things in our community, and I am blown away at how many people have told me that Renaissance has provided a place for them to rediscover Jesus. It's given them a caring church family to be a part of, and has helped to transform their lives. If you're one of the men and women who have been encouraged, helped, and strengthened because of what's happening here at Renaissance, then I'd like to ask you to become an investor in what God is doing in our city. And here's one way that you can do that. Go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them. Enjoy the podcast and thank you so much for being a part of this community. Good morning. My name is Jack and I'm the youth director here at Renaissance. And I want to say it's such a privilege and honor to be here that um, if you've gotten a chance to speak with me, you know that I'm very new here. I know where nothing is. I um, am not, I'm not from here. So what I want to do is I want to uh, introduce you to uh, me and my family um, because I don't know where anything is. And I love thin crust pizza and I'm from the East Coast. So it'll be really great with that. So you'll see a picture on the screen. Uh, and that is a picture of me and my wife, Nancy. Um, she is, yes, thank you. She is one of my favorite people on the planet. And um, I often tell people, this is a, a metaphor someone told me that if you know me well, I am a kite in a thunderstorm losing my mind. Like I'm everywhere and I'm nowhere all at once. And I'm like kind of loud and erratic. And if you're ever here on a Wednesday, you'll know that that's very true. And then Nancy is the person holding the string way down at the bottom, just stressed to see if I'm going to make it. It's really, it's really great. But she's taught me so much about how to be self-controlled and disciplined. She's the most uh, disciplined and organized and, you know, strongest person that I know. So I'd love to introduce you to her. Um, We've been married since August 13th of last year. So uh, we got married and we thought moving across the country would be a really great idea. Um, And and I can imagine you're asking that question that, Jack, how did you end up here? That um, I'm I'm not from the Midwest. I grew up in Connecticut. So I'd love to share that story with you, if I may. Can I do that? Awesome. So uh, I'm a junior in high school and I begin to look at colleges that I want to go to. And I was in a band so I play drums. Some of you may have seen me over there. And I want to go to Berkeley School of Music to get rich and famous because that makes sense in the mind of a junior in high school. So the idea is we would all go there. We would meet somebody and tour and be rich and famous. So what happens is it's the summer between my junior year and my senior year. And I'm filling out the application to Berkeley School of Music in Boston. And I'm filling it out on the keyboard. And I remember something inside of me goes, Jack, this isn't for you. And I go, that's weird because I don't talk to myself in the third person. That's odd. But, but, but I, I grew up in church though. So for me, I was like, maybe that's God. I don't know. I don't want that to be God. So I'm going to keep going. So I, I start to fill it out again. And then something in me, uh, maybe a little bit louder. And it wasn't like this audible voice. It was just something inside of me going, Jack, this isn't for you. And I go, that's silly. And I try to fill it out a third time. And I remember I'm filling it out, you know, my, my name and my address and answering some of the questions. And something inside of me goes, Jack. This isn't for you. And I remember shoving the keyboard back into the desk. Back when we had keyboards, and I'm not even that old, so like I don't, I don't want to act like I'm this ancient person, but I shoved the keyboard back into my desk, and I go, then what? And I recognized that I was praying. And, and again, I, I grew up going to church. I followed Jesus. I, I would say that I've heard the voice of God before, so I eventually am honest with myself, and I say, then what? And being a youth pastor pops into my mind, and I go, that's crazy. So I go, I'm going to talk to my mom and maybe she'll go the other way, you know, because it makes sense. Rich and famous pastor, you know, that makes sense. So what I do is I, I go down to my mom and I go, mom, I want to go to school to be a youth pastor. 
And before I know it, she goes, you'd be perfect at that. You'd be so good at that. And I go, well, it looks like that's what I'm doing now. Like, great. So I start looking into colleges and I end up going to a school uh, in New York. So if you've been to New York before, there's the Jersey side of the river, which is the left side if you're north, and then the New York side, which is the right side. So I went to a school in New York called Nyack College. It's on the Jersey side of the river, about 30 minutes uh, just north of New York City. So I say I'm a New Yorker. I grew up in Connecticut, but it's about an hour and a half outside of it. And it just makes a little more sense to say I'm from New York. Um, when I get really excited, a little bit of a New York accent comes out and I'm gonna try my best not to speak obnoxiously fast. So I go to, it's already happening, it's already happening. But, <laughs> but I, I go to Nyack College in my freshman year. I make a bunch of friends, it's really great. And then I meet somebody and their name is Samantha. And a lot of you have already met her. She was on the screen today. So she says, hi, my name is Samantha and welcome to Ren. She has red hair. I meet her at my college and we became really great friends overnight. So I had apartment style um, living those years. So what happened is we had this stoop that we would sit on and you know talk to each other for a while with some other friends. And uh, my junior year, so a year goes by, she ends up transferring to another school and I finish out my time at Nyack and we remain friends. So I, I graduate with a degree in youth and family studies with a uh, concentration in advanced youth ministry, which is fancy for, I know, to heckle teenagers for a living. That's all it is. <laughs> and maybe talk to them about, about Jesus. And, um, but we, we remain friends. And I remember uh, when I get my uh, first position as a youth director somewhere, I call her uh, just to see how she's doing. It's been a few months. And I uh, remember talking about, you know, the church that I was working at. And I remember her talking about Renaissance. So I, I just want to say, I've been praying for you all since before I've been here. Um, that, that this has been a special place in my heart before I even walked through these doors, um, that I've heard stories about many of you from my friend, Samantha, and um, know that I love you guys and it is so great to be here. What happens is about a year and a half goes by and in that time, we kind of talk, but it's about eight months where we, we don't, we both get married in this time and she was living in Bloomington and comes back to Decatur and at the last position I was at, a lot of things weren't working and I wanna find a new job. So I started applying to places and I'm always number two which was the worst. One did an inside hire, one wouldn't have been a fit. And eventually I go, on faith, I'm gonna quit my job that God would provide something, which is terrifying. So what I do is I resign and I say, hey, I'm leaving October 14th. Uh, it's, this is probably September 10th. It's about a, a month and a few days. Put in on a Tuesday. On a Wednesday, I'd like to say that I was really strong and I wasn't stressed. <laughs> Terrified, terrified. And then it's Thursday and I'm grasping at straws. I have no idea what's happening. I have no idea what I'm gonna do. So I call Samantha like, maybe, maybe like she'll pray for me. I don't know, she's done it before. So I call her and I go, Sam, can you pray for me? I literally just quit my job. And she laughs at me, which is rude. Like that's not like, like you don't laugh at your friend when you're, you know, your life's, I can't say falling apart, but you know, I just got married, quitting my job. That's not what you do. And she laughs and she goes, we just lost our youth worker yesterday. And I think you'd be perfect. So she goes, can I talk to Jeff and Stacy for you? Those are the leaders here at Renaissance. And I go, well, sure. And before I know it, I'm talking to them on the phone and we're laughing with one another. We're having great conversations with one another. Before I know it, I'm getting on a plane and I'm flying here the weekend before Halloween, this past Halloween. And I like ninja'd all of you and met a bunch of you. It was, it was really great. And um, then before I know it, Jeff's giving me a call and saying, we'd love for you to be the youth director here. 
So what happens is December kind of first, but I, I dr drive out and December 3rd was my first day here working at Renaissance. And it's been such a privilege and an honor to be here. I just wanna say you guys are really great and really encouraging, but I wanted to share that with you guys. And I wanna share one other thing with you as well. I've been asked this question and I've gotten it wrong every time. So I'm just gonna read it. It's of everything you've learned about who God is, what is that one thing you'd love to tell Renaissance? And it's this, God is a yeller. He can get really loud. And I'd love to pray for us before um, we get in with our time. And then I'm going to explain that a little bit. So if you guys would pray with me, that would be awesome. Uh, Father, thank you so much. Uh, would you uh, please speak through me? I don't want these to be any of my words, but yours alone. Would you um, have hearts receive your message? Um, would you um, just be here? Uh, Lord, thank you so much. In your very precious name, amen. So our God is a yeller, and here's what I mean by it. We've been studying Genesis, and um, it says, in, you know, in the beginning, God was hovering over the water, and then what happens is he opens his mouth, and he speaks, and the universe was created. And if you think that was a quiet thing, I'm sorry. I think that's a really loud act. You know, our God is not timid. Our God is loud and roaring. He is so strong and so powerful, but I think oftentimes God is a yeller. We just think he's going to yell the wrong thing. And here's a really great example. When I was a sophomore in high school, I wasn't doing my homework. And it is pretty funny. I wasn't, um, I, I wasn't doing my homework and I wasn't a very good student. I'm just forgetful and wouldn't remember to do it. But I'm a sophomore in geometry class and I've forgotten to do my homework for about two weeks now. So, so my, my teacher gives me a homework slip so my, uh, my mom can sign it. And I am so terrified of what my mom is going to do. So I hatched the most perfect, foolproof plane in the world. I'm going to forge my mother's signature. No, no, Noah, no. It's not, that's, you don't want to do that. So, so here's what I do. On Sunday nights, what happens is my mom would write a check and um, I would give it to my school on Monday because it kind of go into like a bank account um, for my school. I had an ID that I can scan so I'd get, you know, amount of money, but I had my mom's signature. So what I did she gave it to me on Sunday and I go to my room all sly and I shut the door and I write out her signature. And it was the best signature I have ever forged in my whole entire life. And it was the only signature I've ever forged in my whole entire life. And I give it to my teacher and she takes it. She goes, okay, well, it looks like, you're gonna, like you have to start doing your homework now. Now your mom knows. And I go, of course I'm gonna do it. And then I do my homework every week. And I thought I was free. I thought I was all good until this dreaded day happens. And all the middle schoolers and high schoolers in the back room know this day, parent-teacher conferences. <laughs> it was miserable. It's terrifying. So what happens is my mom, and I forget about it. She goes, oh, I'm off the parent-teacher conferences. And she drives off. I'm like, no. And she leaves. <laughs> and the whole day, I'm terrified of when my mom's going to come home. I think she's going to kick in the door and ground me till I'm married. And like, it's going to be the worst thing in the world. And she's going to yell at me. And she's going to do that mom thing where you should have known better. And I'm disappointed and whack. Like, it's going to be one of those things. And I, I think a lot of us think God is that way when we screw it up. I think a lot of us think when we sin, and by that word sin, what I mean is God has a design for our life. And if we live opposite to that design, either intentionally or unintentionally, he's going to come down and yell at us. That whole shame us, whole, you know, he won't actually throw lightning bolts, but that's what we think. Um, I remember one time I got um, 
I got a flat tire and I was like, come on, God, what did I do? Like kind of thing. And we think that sometimes that, you know, if we're disobedient to God, he's gonna, you know, be really angry and mad at us. And I don't think that that's true and I don't think that um, that's right. But I think what it is, is it's maybe we separate God the Father of the Old Testament with Jesus from the New Testament. Because God the Father in the Old Testament, he's mean. You know, he seems like he's angry at people a lot of time. You read some stuff and you're like, whoa, dude, chill out kind of idea. And then you get to Jesus though, and I've never met anybody say that Jesus was rude. I've never met anybody be like, that Jesus guy, he's just a jerk. No one's like, oh, Jesus, he's amazing. I love him. He's wonderful. But I'm, I'm not going to spend time with that God in the Old Testament. But there's this is a common thing because there's this guy named Paul and many of you have heard of him before, but if you haven't, he's this really popular guy in the Bible. He would travel from town to town to town writing letters to his friends at these churches, encouraging them about who God is. And he writes this letter um, in the book of Colossians that's in the Bible. And he says this thing, and I think he's clarifying this idea. He says, the son being Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He's saying, if you want to get to know who God the Father is, because he's invisible, you can't really touch him or hold him or, or feel him, you have to get to know Jesus, who is the physical representation of God. So if you want to get to know God the Father, you get to know Jesus, because clearly they have to be one in the same. So here's what it is, I think. I think a God is a yeller. We just have to figure out what he's yelling because Jesus yells a number of things. He gets worked up about a few things, and we're only going to pick two of them. Uh, we don't have time for all of them. Um, so if you have a, a Bible on you, or if you have a, a Bible in the seat back um, kind of in front of you, you can open that. We're going to be in John chapter 11 for a little bit, and it's going to be page 898. If you have a Bible app, you can open it up to that. And as you're opening there, I'm going to give you a little bit of the context leading into this story. So what's happening is uh, John is the author of this book. And what he's doing is he's writing down that Jesus would have a sign or a miracle, and then he would explain it kind of about the identity of who Jesus is. So it's sign, explanation, identity of Jesus. So there's this moment where Jesus is walking on water, um, and then he feeds people. Uh, there's this 5,000 people out um, in the wilderness. And as Laramie said last week, uh, what happens is this guy named Moses leads people through the Red Sea and feeds them manna. And the point John is making is Jesus is bigger and stronger than Moses. That's kind of the idea. And that's from John 1 to John 11. At John 11, what happens is this is the last of the miracles proving the identity of Jesus. So I can't say this is the most important one, but it's the one that John wants to end on. I'll at least say that. And it's a lot to go through. So I'm gonna kind of walk us through the story and we're gonna pick up at one point. Um, but what happens is there's this guy named Lazarus and he has two sisters, Mary and Martha. And they're popular in the Bible. You may have heard of them before. But what happens is Lazarus comes down ill and they send word to Jesus. He's a, about a two days journey away. And what happens is Jesus goes, cool. He doesn't really say cool. He goes, okay, that's, I now know. And then he waits in the town he's staying in for two days, which is curious, but you know, two days go by and he goes, all right, let's go and wake Lazarus up. He's fallen asleep. And they're like, well, Jesus, if you went earlier, you could have waken him up kind of thing. But he goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm gonna cut to the chase. Lazarus is dead. And then they begin to leave. And what happens is as they're walking into this town, Martha, she runs out and she sees Jesus on the way to town. And she goes, Jesus, if you have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You're, you're four days late. He, he's dead. Where, where were you? And Jesus says this mystical, mysterious thing where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And she goes, well, I, I know, but like, 
one day he'll rise, but he's, he's dead right now. He's in the grave. And then she goes to get her sister Mary, and apparently Jesus stays where he is, and she comes out, and she like reams him out. She doesn't even say anything about like, I know one day he'll rise. She's just like, if you've been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And there's this really um, popular verse in the Bible. It's the one that I memorized first because it's two, two words. Um, it's Jesus wept. He loved Lazarus. And what happens, and we're going to pick up in verse 38 of John 11, it says, then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. He says, where's the tomb? It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been there for four days. And I think there's a reality when we talk about God yelling. I think oftentimes we yell at God and we go, you know, God, it stinks. You know, I've been praying for this promotion for months and weeks and years and it hasn't come. God, I've been praying to have children and it hasn't come. God, I just got a terrible diagnosis in my family. God, my life, it stinks. Things aren't working in it. Where, where are you? If you had been here, if you're here, it would have been different. And I would expect Jesus to turn around and call her out, to say something like, how dare you know and question my plan? How dare you do this? And I think there's a part of us that you can be honest with your frustrations to God. I wanna say be respectful. Some people take this to you can say anything you want. Be respectful, but tell them if you're frustrated. He's a big boy, he can handle it. He's the God of the universe but you can tell him that. But Jesus, he doesn't turn around and yell back at her. See what he says. In verse 40, it says, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you have sent me. Remember, this is proving the identity of Jesus. And then verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus, God yells, I have made you alive. This guy, Lazarus, he's dead. And Jesus goes, resurrection, life is for you. Now you used to be dead, but now you're alive. We believe here at Renaissance, that word I said before, sin, when we live into uh, the design that God has for life, if we don't live into that, that we're deserving of death. It says, for the wages of sin is death. We believe that at one point we are all, you know, that, that's where we're going. We're, we're spiritually dead. But Jesus, he doesn't leave us there. He says, by the work that I am doing, I have made you alive. This Christian life is not that uh, God, not that Jesus makes you know, bad people good or good people better. He makes people deserving of death, living. So I wanna just talk to the people who are new here. Um, there's a reality that this may be the first time that you're hearing this. Um, and I want to say, please respond to this news. Um, oftentimes we think telling people that they have sin in their life is bad news, but it's such good news because Jesus, he has, he has literally died for this. He has made people deserving of death alive. So please respond to that. And the easiest way to do that is to just put your trust in Jesus. 
and follow him. I'd love to talk to you more about that. But there's a reality that John writing this is not writing to people who have never heard about Jesus before. He's writing to Christians. What would happen is this letter would go from town to town, encouraging people who are already Christians to be more faithful, to be Christians. So there's a reality that John is nodding to something. He's saying, hey, you used to be dead, but now you're alive. Do not go back to your dead ways of living. And here's a great example of it. There is a time where you first came to know Jesus and you, weren't, you used to be really angry all the time that you would come home from work and you would blow up on your spouse and on your kids or it'd be a coworker where you just reamed them out because they you know, emailed something late. And, and, and here's what I mean. Now you, you are alive. Don't go back to blowing up people in your anger. Don't go back to that old thing in your life that used to you know, hold you down, that used to be dead in your life. Don't go back to that. You don't... You don't need to do that. Um, live like you're living. That's the weirdest way to put it, but you, know, you are alive. And, and here's how you know if you're alive. It's because living things grow. There's a, another uh, verse in the Gospel of John, another chapter really. It's in John chapter 21. I'd love for you to flip there. It's gonna be page uh, 907 and you'll see the words on the screen, and I'm gonna give you a little more of the story kind of leaning into, uh, leading into this um, underneath from it. What happens is um, Jesus, after John chapter 11, um, he ends up being crucified, and right before he's crucified, he has this thing called the Last Supper with his disciples. These are people who have followed him for the past three years, and what happens, he goes to this guy named Peter, and he goes, Peter, before the night's over, you're gonna disown me, you're gonna say that you don't know me, three times. And Peter goes, I'm not going to do that. I'm never going to do that. And Jesus is like, I, don't, I wasn't there, but I can imagine he's like, yes, you are. But what happens is, you know, Jesus, they go to this um, place to pray and he's arrested. And all the disciples scatter, but Peter kind of follows along with them. And what happens is they're around this fire as Jesus is under trial um, to see if he'd be crucified or not. And someone goes, hey, aren't you that guy that follows Jesus? And he goes, I don't know him. And then he moves and he goes to another spot and they go, hey, aren't you, aren't you that guy that knows Jesus? And he's like, no, I, I don't know him. And there's a third time, it's actually a little girl. She goes, hey, you know Jesus, right? Like you, like you talk kind of like him, you're from the same town, right? And he's like, I don't, I don't know him. And then the rooster crows saying that morning has come and, and Peter recognizes that he's gone to a dead way of living, an old way of living. And Jesus is crucified and he rises from the dead. And then what happens is he shows up to the disciples and he says, go on out to Galilee where you grew up. So all the disciples go out there and they're fishermen and I love to fish in my family. So they do what all good fishermen do when they don't know what to do, they go fishing. That's the, as easy as it is. And um, what happens is they don't catch anything. And they say that they fished all night and they didn't, they didn't catch anything. And what happens is it's about daybreak and there's this guy in the boat's about a hundred yards out. He goes, hey, you know, like, caught anything? And I'm assuming they're yelling back and he goes, no. And then he says, you know, throw your nets to the other side. And they do that. And then there's, it says a miraculous catch of fish. This is awesome. I wish this would happen, but there's a miraculous catch of fish. And Peter, he knows it's Jesus. He jumps into the water, swims a hundred yards and sits with Jesus. And Jesus makes them uh, breakfast. There's a little fire. Apparently they have some fish that they caught. And then there's this moment where he comes to Peter, Jesus does, and he says, hey, will you walk with me in their walking. And this is where we're going to pick up in John um, chapter 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, 
do you love me more than these? And I can imagine he's looking back at the disciples like, do you, do you love me more than the disciples? And then Peter said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And now Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now I can imagine Jesus was yelling when he says, throw your nets from you know, one side of the boat to the other. But I think his actions speak far louder than words here. Jesus says, I'm not finished with you, Peter. Peter, yeah, you went back to an old way of living, to a, to a dead way of living, but I'm not finished with you. He doesn't say, now, what I want you to do is, you know, worship me, which is part of it. He doesn't say, I want you to have a Bible study. He says, now go and grow. Go and feed my sheep. Go and serve people. And there's a reality that once we know about Jesus, that we are, you know, dead people who are now living, we can't stop there. So what I want to do is I want to invite you. Again, if you're hearing this for the first time, please grow with us. Um, I'm not that old, but I've been following Jesus from a really young age and my life has been so much better for it. And I know many of the people in this room that have followed Jesus for a very long time would agree with that, but please grow with us. And also for those of you who have followed Jesus for a while, don't stop. Um, There's a a reality that when I speak with students, um, they're often really disappointed that their parents stopped growing at one point, that their parents blow up on them when they don't do their homework well, or they blow up on them if they're a few minutes late to curfew. And here's the thing, you know, I'm going to say adults and parents, um, it's good that you hold your children accountable. It's not good if you're blowing up on them left and right. Continue to grow. The best advice I was ever given in my whole life was this. I was graduating from high school and my youth pastor, he comes to me and he goes, Jack, right now you're 18 years old. And I go, yes, I am. And then, exactly, and then he goes, you have an 18-year-old faith. And I go, yes, I do. And he goes, but here's the problem. In a few months, you're going to be in college. You're going to need a college-aged faith. You know, you're going to a Christian college to be a youth pastor, but many of your friends, they're going to go to colleges that professors don't believe in Jesus, that they'll actually say that you're, you know, in the wrong for believing that, or what will happen is no one's going to hold your hand to go to church anymore. You have to have a college-aged faith. And then you're going to graduate from college and you're going to have an adult faith, you know? And then what's going to happen is you're going to get married. And he goes, you're going to need a married faith where, you know, you are far more selfless and way less selfish, that you care about your spouse more than you might care about yourself at times. And then you might have kids and then you need to be really selfless. And he walks through all of life that if you stop growing as an 18-year-old, what will happen is your faith won't work for you anymore. What will happen is you look back about that time when you were a little kid going to VBS and you're living out of those experiences and the faith that you have won't work for you because you have an 18-year-old faith when you're you know, 30 years old. So you have to keep growing. You have to keep striving. You have to keep seeking God because I don't want to be disappointed anymore when parents stop growing. You know, Peter wasn't let off and neither are we. And I think there are two really simple, almost easy ways to do this. The first one, can everybody say number one? one. 
yes. I do that with the middle schoolers all the time. It brings me joy to my heart. But okay, so number one, don't, don't give up on this time. And what I mean by that is there, there's a reality that every Sunday there is a place in the world coming together to talk about the good news of Jesus. Do not give up on this time because we wanna remind you every week that you used to be dead and now you're alive. We want to remind you to keep striving and keep going and that God is always with you. Please do not give up on this time. It'll change your life. I know it has changed mine. And then there's another thing. Can everybody say number two? Uh, We have a, a vision here at Renaissance. It's a mission and vision statement. You might see it or hear it. It's because of Jesus, because of his good news that you used to be dead, but now you're alive. Growing people change. When you know about Jesus and you're growing, you're going to change. But how do you do that well? Loving people serve. And this is not a sales pitch. Don't think that I'm going to get up here and be like, and now everyone serve in the kids' minute. Like, I'm not going to do that because here's the thing. I believe this to be true. When you serve somewhere here at Renaissance, you're gonna become part of a community of people that are going to love you well, that are going to hold you accountable, and you're gonna realize that you're growing. I wanna share a story about um, an old friend of mine. Their name is Michelle. What happens is she's one of my old youth leaders in my last position. She uh, is the parent of a middle schooler, and we go on a camp trip, and we just need people to help. So she comes, and she says, I wanna help out in this, but I know my daughter will not let me near anything I do, so can I help out with the high schoolers? And I go, of course, I'd, lo- I'd love to have you. And she starts helping out and she's gonna lead one of our small groups and she's a, a great small group leader. But what happens is when she starts to be you know, intentional in the lives of high schoolers, she recognizes they have questions for her that she doesn't have answers for. You know, they, she recognizes that they're asking her how to pray and she's not. And they're asking her how to read the Bible and she is, but she doesn't really know. So she comes to me and goes, can I meet with you every week on how to figure this out? Because I, I wanna love people well. I wanna serve people well. And she started to grow. And then she realizes that I didn't have enough time for her, which I feel bad about, by the way. But, but what happens, she goes, I, I want to know more. So she actually uh, registered for classes online. They were like $50 um, a piece. I tried to have her church pay for it. Because here's the thing. She recognized that when I love people and serve them, I'm going to grow in my faith. So please grow with us. Please don't give up on this time. Please don't give up on this. Our God is a yeller and he yells over you that you're alive and he yells over you also that he's not finished with you. He's not done with you. There's one last thing that Jesus yells. Um, He's in between our two stories from John 11 and John 21. He's on the cross dying for our sins and he yells in a loud voice, it is finished. When I started, I shared a story about my mother. Um, I expected she was going to come home and be so mad at me. I expected that she was going to be so frustrated and so angry. And, you know, I made the joke she was going to ground me till I'm married. I literally thought that. It's not even a, like, I thought she was going to be so angry. But she came home and I had tears in my eyes because I knew I was in trouble. And I, I said, Mom, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? And, and she was upset. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's not like she's like, oh, it's okay. She was upset with me, but she said, I, I love you and I don't want this to happen again. I love you and I, I wanna hold you accountable to these things, but you're not in trouble. I'm not gonna shame you. I'm not gonna you know, throw lightning bolts. I'm not gonna lock you in your room. You know? And God is the same. 
When we think about you know, this old God who's angry at you, who is so frustrated and so angry and he's you know, just really annoyed at you, he's not. I'm gonna invite the, the band up with this last thought. Um, we often think that um, shame is a reality that we have to live in and guilt is a reality we have to live in and you know, feeling condemned by God is a reality that we have to live in. But when Jesus is on the cross with his arms out, when he says, it is finished. He died for that. That shame, that guilt, that condemnation that you feel when you screw it up, it's gone. So our, our God is a yeller. He's, he's quite loud, actually. Um, but he yells different things. He doesn't yell shame and condemnation. He doesn't throw lightning bolts at you. What he does is he yells, I've made you alive and I'm not done with you. There's a really great way to respond to this. That's why every week we end with someone saying, now we're going to stand up and sing some songs in response to what we've heard. If you want Jesus to deal, if you want to recognize that it's finished, that guilt and that condemnation, there are people scheduled to pray for you and scheduled to help you process this. They're straight through that door and out through the back. They would love to pray for you. And also a great way to do this, and this is what I normally do, is when we sing songs in worship, we're just telling God how great he is. You know, we sing some songs about, you know, he's really faithful, great is your faithfulness. We sing songs about how much he loves us. When you begin to internalize those things, that that's true and right in your life, those things will begin to fall away. And if you need reminding, it's finished and you are alive. Let me pray for us and then, um, then we'll, we'll get singing. Um, Father, thank you for my friends here. Thank you uh, for the overflow room. Thank you for my uh, friends out in the prayer room. Um, would you speak to all of us in this time? Would you um, communicate how much you love us and how much you care for us and that you've finished this shame and this guilt? Lord, you have made us alive. You're awesome. We love you and help us to love you more. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Together we can reach the heart of Decatur. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them.